Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. The Boston Celtics got past the Miami Heat in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals to earn the right to play the Golden State Warriors for the 2022 NBA Championship. Since the series starts Thursday in San Francisco's Chase Center, and yes, I'll be there, there's plenty of time to take a look at the matchups and make a prediction and all that. But for now, I want to focus on a few things that came to mind as I watched Game 7 unfold. And I believe those things will inform the way we should look at the Boston Celtics and their matchup with the Warriors. But let's break down a variety of things from the Eastern Conference Finals first. And first of all, if there's anybody who impressed me as much as Jimmy Butler in a Miami Heat uniform, it was Max Struess. He finished with eight rebounds in Game 7 and was the only Heat player to make more than one three. I know that's kind of faint praise, but I just didn't have a very high regard for him going into this series. And... In Game 7 in particular, he was fearless down the stretch, hitting a huge three that put the heat within two and getting off two more more that didn't find the mark, but he was looking to get that shot. He was looking to make that shot. I appreciate the fearlessness. The Heat at that point were a compromised team, especially with Tyler Hero out and P.J. Tucker only playing three minutes in the second half. And Struess tried to fill the void. I'll take a guy who tries over a guy who decides it's not his day and defers any day, but especially in a pivotal and pressure-packed Game 7. And by try, I mean actually get to your shot and get it off and take it with confidence. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown driving into traffic and losing the ball or having to throw a desperation kick-out pass or shooting an off-balance shot is not that I rarely see them shoot is not what I mean by trying. 
I also didn't appreciate how good Struess was as a defender before this series. Looks can be deceiving. He's got that South Beach pretty boy look, but he sure as hell didn't play like it. And look, whatever he did during the regular season, that's fine. It's the regular season. It's your ability to step up in these circumstances on the conference on the conference final stage, especially the first time you've ever been there. That's what really separates players. And Struess was both mentally and physically tough throughout this series. He didn't play great all the time. He didn't shoot all, all that well all the time. He certainly wasn't healthy the entire series. But he never, he never gave in. You never got the sense that he was allowing himself to play compromised. He gave Jason Tatum far more trouble defensively than I ever would have imagined. He is, I also imagine, what the Heat had hoped Duncan Robinson would be. Yes, the Heat went to doubling Tatum as soon as he touched the ball down the stretch in Game 7. It wasn't, I'm not, I don't want to cast Max Struess as some Tatum stopper by any stretch. But I believe that strategy in part was as much because the Heat were confident that Tatum wasn't going to kill them with his passing as it was that they wanted to make someone else beat them. That's why I don't know what to make of Tatum winning the first ever Eastern Conference Finals MVP award. I'm not massively opposed to it. I suppose if you were going to give it to anybody with the Boston Celtics, Tatum would, would be the guy, but felt like a consolation prize. The, the award is named after Larry Bird. And never once did I think, well, you know what, Dennis Johnson or uh, Kevin McHale or Robert Parrish, they actually did more than Larry or they had a big part of it. No, you always felt like Larry was the reason that the team won. So I just look at Tatum's perform performance overall and it feels like it pales in comparison to what Larry Bird did every time he stepped on the floor, particularly in a playoff game. And it's not as if Larry Larry had his single-digit scoring games, but you never question that he impacted the game. If he did that, he probably had eight, nine assists. He was rebounding the ball. He was always a factor. That's why if there was anybody who made me think of Bird in this series, it was Butler. Again, Butler had a couple of games where he did not, well, he did not produce. Uh, one game, game three, I believe, he was playing injured and couldn't play the second half. Uh, that injury obviously was still lingering in game four, but he suited up for every single game. That's also what Larry Bird would do. And even if he wasn't scoring, he was impacting the game. There were times where Jimmy was far more aggressive than other times, but he was always, his presence was always having an impact. And every time the Heat seemed to be faltering, on the brink of letting Game 7 in particular get away from them, if not the series as a whole, he delivered one of his trademark mid-range jumpers or got to the line. As I said, he struggled in Games 3 and 4 but he was clearly playing injured. And I'm not sure he was completely right the entire series, physically. And, yes, Tatum was clearly laboring with a few physical issues as well.
But there were various times, including in Game 7, where Tatum not only didn't look like the Celtics' best player, he looked uncertain about what it was he was supposed to do to help them win. Now, I give him credit for attacking the basket in Game 7. But he was 4 for 11 inside the paint. He was getting there, but he wasn't finishing strong by any stretch. And how many times did he make an unsuccessful drive to the basket, fall out of bounds, or fall out of bounds, throw his hands up claiming to have been fouled, rather than getting back on defense, affording the Heat a fast-break opportunity the other way? I counted at least four times in Game 7. That is unforgivable in a game of that magnitude. Get back. And then his embrace of Bam Adebayo. I don't know if, if all of you saw it. After the game, it was, it was odd. It looked like two teammates fiercely hugging each other. Now, I'm all for opponents recognizing and appreciating each other. But this was, this was weird. It was just weird. And Bam seemed, for his part, he seemed just a little too joyful in the way he embraced Tatum. As if he hadn't just been sent home. As if he was almost relieved that he wasn't going to the finals. And Tatum, look, I don't know. Maybe I'm making too much of it. It just felt, looked, seemed weird. I get being happy for each other, opponents or otherwise, but it was the kind of embrace I would expect between teammates celebrating what had just happened, not adversaries, no matter how close they might be. And I'm not aware of Bam and Jason being particularly close. And then someone put out a post drawing a line between Larry Bird going to his first finals at 24 and Tom Brady going to his first Super Bowl at 24, and Jason Tatum being 24, now going to his first finals. Now, I didn't uh, fact check all that. I assume it's true. But whether it is or not, can we just stop it? Their respective ages is the only comparison you can make among them. Yet, it suggests that it's deeper than that. The comparison the similarity, if you will. Look, I like Tatum. He's a good player. He in no way, though, carried the Celtics to this series win. He had his moments. He made his contributions. But so did several other Celtics. He was only occasionally their steadying hand. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Derek White, and Jalen Brown all delivered pivotal shots in crucial situations, as much as Tatum did. And Tatum was not particularly good defensively. I suspect it was because of his, whatever injuries he was dealing with. Because I've seen him play better defense. In any case, this was very much a collective win. When whoever it was handed the conference finals trophy to Horford, in recognition, I believe, of this ending, his dubious distinction of having played the most postseason games of anyone in the league without reaching the finals, and that was 141 games, 141 playoff games, I thought they might also turn around and hand him the MVP award as well. Now, yes, Bam Adebayo showed up in Game 7, delivering 25 shots and 11 rebounds, and Horford was assigned to him a good part of the night, but 
One of the reasons that Bam Adebayo was not the factor that everybody expected him to be in this series overall was because of Al Horford. And Horford delivered his share of big shots, big blocks, big plays. Game 7, he only had 5 points to go with his 14 rebounds. But he played with a poise the Celtics desperately needed. That's why for any of you out there who are pushing back on my idea that Jimmy Butler deserved to be the series MVP over Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum's averages were better and Jimmy had a couple of games where he was in single digits in scoring. Just, you know, if you want to be a mathematician, go have at it. But if you watch the games, you know that the numbers need interpretation. You need to know when they were scored. You need to know what the score was when... They came up. There are big shots, big plays, big moments that mean more than just two points. And sometimes they mean less. Now, Horford was only credited with, this is a perfect example, he was only credited with three assists. But if hockey assists, the pass that leads to the pass that is then awarded an assist, if that was the case or utilized in this game or in basketball, then Horford would have had triple the number of assists that he was credited with their best the Celtics that is most consistent and effective action in half court sets came off of Marcus Smart and Horford playing a two-man game on the strong side one or the other getting free on a pick and roll and then swinging the ball to the weak side for Tatum or Jalen Brown to attack a scrambling heat defense As I said, I would have given the MVP for the series to Butler. I just can't imagine this series going seven games without him. He was the steadying influence for the Heat more so than anyone else. The only thing keeping the Celtics from running away with Game 7 in the first half was Butler, who at one point scored nine of the Heat's 11 points in the second quarter. His 24 first-half points on 8 of 11 shooting, kept Miami within striking distance, only down by 6, when they were down by double digits for the better part of the first half. Here are a few other random thoughts that crossed my mind as the game unfolded. I was pretty underwhelmed by Jalen Brown overall. Questionable shot selection at times, sloppy passes, loose handle, But he found something in Game 7 that opened up driving lanes for him. And I'll be interested to see whether it carries over to the Golden State Series. And that's a reverse rocker hesitation move on his drives that counteracted the bodying the Heat defenders did to throw him off balance. Instead, the move put the Heat defenders off balance or froze them or got them leaning forward when Jalen momentarily pulled back, which then allowed him to burst past them without getting the ball tipped or bumped, getting himself bumped into taking a wider angle than he wanted. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I got tired of watching Kyle Lowry flail and draw cheap fouls. For the crew that was there, Scott Foster, James Caper, and David Guthrie, I would have expected a fewer rewards, let's say. If a player has his defender beat and can't finish the play because he gets hit or there's contact, okay. But too many times, Lowry was falling down trying to get a step on his defender, and his falling down contributed to the contact as much as anything the defender was doing. And then he exaggerated everything. And I didn't really see anyone else getting those kind of calls. The refs let them play for the most part, which I was happy to see. And I'm not mad at Lowry. He was playing injured as well, and it was the best way he could make an impact on the game. But he was rewarded by the officials far too much for that gamesmanship. I had no problem with Butler getting to the line for a game-high 11 free throws, making eight of them. His footwork in the paint is pristine. He forces contact, doesn't over-dramatize when he gets hit, and doesn't complain when he doesn't get the whistle. He just gets back. He also, he never looks off balance. Tatum, on the other hand, doesn't really have the ability to spin or pivot, hold his ground, and finish a shot. If he can't beat his man facing up, he struggles. It's one of several discoveries I feel like I had, or epiphanies, when it came to Tatum in this particular series. In reflecting about his game and how he performed, there were so many things that fit into he's not as blank as I thought he was. Whereas with Jimmy Butler, I felt like I came away going, he's better than I thought he was. Playing Tyler Harrow backfired on the heat for another one of the random thoughts I had. He clearly couldn't move well enough to defend or get open off the ball. Now, it got the crowd going when he subbed in after missing the previous two games. And as Jeff Van Gundy noted at the time, the the Miami Heat were looking for something that was going to give them a boost. But the euphoria quickly died when it was clear he couldn't contribute. He played seven scoreless minutes. He had one dime. And Coach... Eric Spolster clearly saw what I did and didn't play him in the second half. He couldn't defend as much as anything. He just couldn't move or or, or stay in front of anybody. Ime Adoka didn't get nearly enough shine for guiding the Celtics in Game 7 and in the series overall. His demeanor was unbelievably impressive for a young coach making his first run to the finals. I dare say if you had watched him operate and you didn't know how young he was, how new he was to this, you would have had no idea. You would have thought he had been here before. I loved that Jimmy Butler went for the win on the pull-up three on the break with the heat down to 98-96 with 16 seconds left. He front-rimmed it because his legs and upper body weren't connected on the shot and because I think he was playing his... 47th of 48 minutes but I'm all for going for the dagger there if anyone deserved to go for it 
he did. And I love that Spolstra defended him in the post-game press conference for taking that shot. Van Gundy wrongly said it was a bad decision, but rightly said, if you're good with winning that way, you have to be good with dying that way. And I am, and evidently so is Spolstra. Missing a shot doesn't mean it was a bad shot. I had no problem with Marcus Smart missing all three of his three-pointers in the fourth quarter. He was wide open on every one of them. Where the shot clock was, they weren't likely to get a better shot. And he's capable of making it. So is Jimmy Butler. For I don't care about the 30% shooting from three. Like Everything changes when the game is on the line. And Jimmy Butler is a gamer. And I believe Marcus Smart is too. Marcus Smart's shots were in rhythm. Jimmy Butler's was in rhythm. And when it comes to Marcus Smart and the Celtics, Jason Tatum wasn't being particularly aggressive. He did not take a shot in the final four minutes. And Jalen Brown was a turnover machine down the stretch. So it's not as if there were alternatives. This win overall reminded me a lot of Game 5. The Celtics survived, largely because the Heat were down to Butler or Struess being able to find the basket. Struess's electric tip dunk with 2.35 left breathed life back into the Heat, cutting the Celtics' lead to 9 and kicked off a 10-0 run that made it a one-possession game with 21 seconds left. Miami had no business still having a shot at winning Game 7, and yet they did. Before I go, I do have one request. Can we stop making a big deal of players that had conversations with the late Kobe Bryant and how he inspired them or told them to go be legendary? And by we, I mean the media. We've heard that storyline with Tatum. And he even wore a purple wristband with Kobe's 24 on it just below his elbow in Game 7. The Celtics... As a team, by the way, also have a black stripe on their uniforms with the number 24, but it's not for Kobe. It's to honor the late Sam Jones, a Celtics legend who recently died. Now, I'm not in love with the confusion. Making a public display of honoring Sam Jones is both noble and admirable. But I just wonder how many casual viewers were also confused seeing Tatum's purple wristband. It kind of undercuts the honor for Jones, doesn't it? A big deal has been made about Kobe having a similar conversation with Devin Booker. Just because Kobe had a conversation with these guys and showed his confidence or faith in them doesn't make them made men. It means, really doesn't mean anything other than Kobe was encouraging them to go be great. And to be clear, this is not on Tatum or Booker. I'm all for them recognizing and admiring Kobe and talking about how much he meant to them. Oh, that's good. But why are we, the media, inflating that to suggest that they have the makings of the next Mamba or that they are anywhere close to accomplishing what he has done? They're not. They're not. Neither one of them has come close to doing what Mama did, Mamba did already at their age. 
they don't have not demonstrated the mamba mentality if you don't understand that then you don't understand what a killer kobe was and they have not demonstrated that they have any semblance of his game both of them far more holes than kobe ever had in his and it's not fair to them because they don't have any of that and it shows up and then we're disappointed well we're disappointed because we've put them on a pedestal we put them on a level we've made a comparison that does not need to be made and it's not exactly a great way to honor what kobe did either because it suggests the league is just teeming with young kobe's and it's not all right that does it for this episode of on the ball on the united wecast network please rate and review the show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts well now it's time it's time to drill down and take a look at the warriors and the celtics and the various matchups that we're going to see coming up in this series i am hoping it is going to be an exciting series i am not super confident of that at this point and i will explain why in the next podcast in the meantime as always thanks for listening the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.